Dreamsofamedia.com presents... When will I learn? The answer to life's problems aren't at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> They're on Noiseland Arcade. With Craig WK. He's just a little shy because I've tried to kill him so many times. And Sean, the arcade phantom. An underachiever. And yet he seems to be... How should I put this? Proud of it? They're violent and they distract you from your schoolwork. Well, time to hit the books. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, and with me is my pal, Sean the Arcade Phantom. Woo! How's it going, Craig? I'm doing pretty good. How, what, what, are you, what are you doing there? I'm waving my arms around because we're flashing back. We're doing a flashback episode today. Indeed we are. Today we are talking about the episode, I Married Marge. Sean, when did this episode first air? December 26, 1991. Yeah, so in this flashback episode, Homer and Marge stress that she might be pregnant again, and the story is told of how Homer and Marge first got married. And this is a, a very fun episode. Uh, but I mean, at this point in season three and onwards, we're pretty much getting really solid episodes moving forward. Uh, but uh, but Sean, uh, what, uh, what's happening in the world around uh, December 26, 1991? So, two movies came out right around that time, mm-hmm. and the reason I bring them both up, yeah, they're both kind of classic movies. Mm-hmm. One of them I really like, one of them is just okay. Mm-hmm. But they're both referenced in The Simpsons, and I want to make note of them both. Oh, yeah? So, on December 25th, 1991, Prince of Tides was released. That's the Barbra Streisand film. Mm-hmm. And Marge has a flashback that that was her childhood. And then she says, oh, no, that was Prince of Tides. Oh, yeah! December 27th, Fried Green Tomatoes, based on the book, is released. And that's Manjula's favorite book, movie, and food. Oh, yeah, that's right. I uh, So we're sandwiched in Simpsons movie references right here. That's pretty neat. Now, Sean, I know that I bring you nothing It's the but day after Christmas. It's got to be good news. Merry fucking Christmas, Sean. Because on the 26th of December in 1991, this exact day, the USSR has fallen. Uh, Russian President Boris Yeltsin took command with Mikhail Gorbachev, signing over control of the military and nuclear weapons, effectively ending the Soviet Union. Red flags with a hammer and sickle were taken down and replaced with a red, white, and blue striped flag. You did it, Rocky. You did it. You finally stopped (laughs) communism. If we could change, they could change. (laughs) This is the same flag that flew over the czars. Uh, about seven and a half decades ago. Seven and a half decades of communist rule. Man. Gone. And Rocky it ended today. It's the best. Good job, Rocky. Good job. You ended communism. If I could change, you could change. We could all change. If he dies, he dies. Dude, I love Rocky Four. Rocky Four might be my favorite Christmas movie. I, <laughs> Die Hard's up there, but man, I love Rocky Four. You put Rocky Four on before the Olympics, and you're just chanting USA the entire time as you watch those Olympics. It's. I feel like it's not that great of a movie, but it is a great movie. Oh, if it's that a, makes it's sense. a dumb great movie. 
What's uh, funny is mm-hmm. I always watch Rocky Four in a video store. Mm-hmm. And if you ever have it on a video store, it kind of gives you a 15-minute break because anytime there's a big fight in the movie, uh-huh. everyone in the store stops and watches. They're like, oh, yeah. And it's like it's like you got a nice break. You could actually walk outside and have a cigarette and just be like, okay, yeah. They didn't do anything because, of course, they're watching the fight. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, but uh, the... This is a, a huge event in history, the the collapse of the Soviet Union, you know. Uh, uh, President Bush uh, got a call from uh, Gorbachev. Gorbachev thanked him for, you know, all the time that he, you know, we had kind of worked towards peace and stuff. And, uh, and then uh, Bush uh, announced that, you know, uh, they, uh, um, the United States of America, uh, of America were, you know, viewing the you know, Russia and all the other countries that were once in the Soviet Union as fellow democratic countries and stuff. And so, yeah, it's it's crazy, you know. And I'm not to say that communism is like the end-all, be-all, this horrible, corrupting force of the world by any means. But, you know, things weren't going great in the Soviet Union, and so it's nice that they were able to work towards this freedom for everybody, you know. It's kind of weird to think that my entire childhood I grew up and. The biggest reference I had to the Soviet Union would have been Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. Street Fighter too had Z- Zangief uh, would have been from the USSR. Yep. But every other version of Street Fighter technically would have been Russia at that point because Hyper Street Fighter and Turbo would have come out after '91. Uh huh. Yeah, they would have. It's it's weird that it's sandwiched in there. I guess technically the game still takes place in it like still the late takes 80s, place in like the late '80s, early '90s. I suppose. Hmm. I never really thought of it that way. But, but yeah, yeah, it's weird that all those other versions would have come out with Russia and not the USSR, technically. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's they... For anybody who's in Europe, if you're listening to us, does the PAL version switch that to Russia? Because I know that was a big thing of like switching the name to Russia from the USSR. Oh, I might have. I don't know. Yeah, a shout out to uh, uh, anyone in uh, Europe who might be listening who would know. I need to load up the PAL ROM and check that out. <laughs> I... Yeah, I mean this this show even I like I'm just excited even just for the uh Noiseland Arcade because we've been talking about the history of what's going on at this time every episode aired and we've been talking about Russia and you know the Soviet Union and stuff for the entire time this show has been going. Yeah, and the so Soviet Union and Apartheid have both been two major things going on. One down, one to go. <laughs> yeah. So, let's talk about the episode. We start with uh uh, Homer and Marge doing a home pregnancy test. Barnacle Bill's home pregnancy test. And I'd like to do it with a uh, pirate voice, if I may. Yeah, go for it. So, oh, and it also gets uh, Homer a free corncob pipe, which is why he chose this Yes, one. I would have totally bought my girlfriend a pregnancy test with a free corncob pipe, because I want a corncob pipe. <laughs> Arr, if water turns blue, a baby for you. If purple ye see, no baby thar be. If the test should fail, to a doctor set sail. Arr. It's Barnacle Bill's pregnancy. Yeah, so it's it's supposed to be blue or purple, and Homer's like, what color is it? And Marge is like, pink. <laughs> and so she has to set up an appointment with Dr. Hibbert. And so Homer's talking to her, and he's like, do you really think you're pregnant? And she's like, well, I have the same nausea and craving for pancake mix that I did with all the other kids. And uh, so she takes off and leaves on her own to go to Dr. Hibbert's. And Bart and Lisa kind of catch sight of what's going on. And they're like, what's going on with mom? And Homer's like, nothing. She just broke her leg. (laughs) And 
the kids start putting two and two together, and they realize that she might have a quote-unquote bun in the oven. I love the way Bart treats Homer in this scene where he punches him in the arm and says, you're a machine, Homer. Yeah, like, what? Like he's really hyping Homer up. In fact, uh, Bart and Lisa are genuinely very excited to be having another baby coming. You know, they're, they're, uh, Bart even says something like, we can race the babies. And uh, uh, Homer is, you know, like, man, he's like, you know, yeah, this is exciting for you guys, but, you know, for me, it's diapers and midnight feedings. And Lisa's like, doesn't mom take care of that stuff? And Homer's like, yeah, but I have to hear about it. <laughs> and Homer admits that he threw up more than Marge when Bart was uh, <laughs> going to be born. And uh, Homer starts to talk about what it was like when Bart was first conceived. And he starts talking about the 80s. And they were an idealistic day. or they were a, It was an idealistic era. Uh, and he mentions the candidate, uh, candidacy of John Anderson. Now, I had no idea who the hell this was. So I took a look into it, and apparently John Anderson was a, a pretty fiery independent who ran against Reagan and Carter in 1980. Uh, Homer mentions the rise of Supertramp, uh, which was a rock band that formed in 1969 in London, England. And... Uh, at this point, Bart and Lisa dart off before Homer can go any further, but he still continues to talk to, uh, I think, Maggie. And uh, we have, uh, uh, as the scene starts, uh, they are playing the Logical Song, uh, which was released in 1979. Now, in the last flashback episode, uh, you'll recall that Sean and I kind of uh, uh, debunked the episode that they had messed up uh, the timing of one of the songs. But so far, it's looking good. And Homer's working at the Fun Center. Yeah. Which is the same place where Bart would eventually do his putt-putt tournament in uh, Dead Putting Society. Yep. Uh, which is also where Bart was conceived. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting to that. But um, so the kids aren't paying attention when Homer starts telling his story, and they start playing croquet. And I've got a croquet <laughs> story. Since you got to talk about bocce ball last episode, I want to talk about croquet. Yeah, yeah. Well, hold on, because don't they play croquet a little bit... Uh, Oh, no, it's about this time it, in the episode. Time, yeah. They start immediately ignoring Homer to play croquet. <laughs> That's right, right. So have you ever played croquet? Uh, sure, a long time ago, though. So croquet is definitely an old person's sport, you think. That's the typical you know, thought that comes to mind for it, I think. There is nothing more fun than getting together with a bunch of guys, throwing suit jackets on, smoking cigars, drinking whiskey, and playing croquet. <laughs> Let me tell you, you feel like a classy gentleman, even though you're really just having an excuse to get shit-faced and have a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. We used to do this up at the park by my house when I was growing up, when I was too young to legally drink. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, it sounds about right. Um, yeah. But yeah, you just, you drink, you smoke cigars, you feel classy, you knock a ball around, you hit it way harder than you should because <laughs> you're getting a little tipsy and you're having fun. Oh, that's great. Somebody threatens to hit you with a mallet. You know, it's, it's a fun game. It sounds like a blast. <laughs> so, I, the, uh, when, when Homer's running this like windmill, but you think a motor would do it, but a ho poor Homer is is spinning the fan blades, and this guy's like Homer. He's like the the golfers are like complaining that they can't like you know get the uh, they can't complete this like you know uh, 
section of the course or whatever. And Homer slows it down. And the guy who runs this fun center is like, ah, beautiful. Someday you'll be the one to hand out uh, the, what, the putters? Hand out the putters, yep. <laughs> He's like, yes, sir. And uh, I love while they're outside, too. Uh, when Homer, you know, complains that they're not paying attention, Bart says, uh, uh, yeah, you had a problem turning blades. You overcame it. The feel good story of the year. <laughs> and Lisa's like, we can't help it that we have like poor attention span. She's like, uh, uh, we watch so much uh, like, a, a, like an appalling amount of television. And Homer's like, don't you ever talk that way about television. <laughs> and oh, that's right. And then at this point, Maggie gets stuck as he tells Maggie the story. Uh, and so Marge's at home and she's trying to defend Homer and her sisters and her mother are like, if you want to get pawed by something fat and lazy, if we can get you a cat. And uh, Mrs. Bouvier is like, hey, leave less hair on the couch. I love that a younger Mrs. Bouvier is just Marge's model with gray hair. It's pretty great. It's I like pretty that. pretty great that yeah. she looks exactly like Marge. <laughs> she really does. And uh, honestly, this is a point like like Homer, you know, Homer is always like a well-meaning buffoon. But this is like my biggest pet peeve, the honking. He's like laying on the horn to get Marge outside. And in my head, it's like, we heard you the first time, you idiot. I, I used to have a buddy who shall remain nameless because his father would occasionally pick him up from like slumber parties we would have, you know. And so I, uh, you know, my buddy would spend the night or whatever, and it'd be like he'd spend the night Saturday night, and then have church in the morning on Sunday. So he'd have to like leave before any other friends, you know, for the the, the you know that morning. And like we would all wake up to just like eh, 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 like just this guy slamming the horn, and it was like buddy seriously like what is wrong with you and when he's like getting up and getting ready like my mother would like open up the door and i could tell that it was like she was about to go out there and like murder the guy and i was just like oh don't worry about it Bob. like i'll make sure he knows we're here you know and yeah it was it is my biggest pet peeve i think it's pretty damn annoying when people lay on the horn i also live in an apartment complex with tons of people around and inevitably people are slamming the horn and I hate it. Hate it tons. Even on the road, it's annoying. Like, yeah, pretty much. Random trivia for you about theme parks. Did you know that buses at Disney don't have horns? Really? Yeah. Because apparently horns don't really cause people to stop. They just cause people to get enraged. <laughs> yeah, the that's all about right. The horns on the buses at Disney actually make the sound of a screeching tire. Loud screeching tire, because that makes people stop. It's oh. scientifically proven to be more effective. Interesting. And you're, I don't think you're wrong either. When I hear a honk, I just like sort of like look around. I'm like, you look what? Around, huh? You're pissed off. Like, who's that guy? But if you hear screeching tires, you're like, oh crap, what's going on? I gotta you stop. Tense up and stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so Homer takes Marge out to go see The Empire Strikes Back. Yep. So we know this episode takes place in May, May of 1980. And by all means, Sean, if you want to lay on the or lay it onto the listeners, what is The Empire Strikes Back? So The Empire Strikes Back. Not to be confused with Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, which is a title it did not get until it was released on VHS. Hmm. It was just known as The Empire Strikes Back, was the sequel to Star Wars. Not Star Wars A New Hope, just Star Wars at the time. Nerd. <clears throat> but when The Empire Strikes Back actually came out in theaters, it was lambasted by the critics. 
Wait, really? Yes. Really? Empire Strikes Back was hated by the critics? It is now listed as one of the greatest films of all time and usually shows up in the top 10 on AFI and IMDb's films list of all time. Uh However, critics usually gave it that it was a middling sequel. (laughs) What? It was way better. Two films of 1980s were completely lambasted by the critics. I'm going to let you guess what the other one was. That's a classic. The Shining. Bingo. 1980. Yeah, The Shining was really hated when it came out, wasn't it? Yep. Critics sucked in 1980. Yeah, seriously. I mean, like, like to a degree, you can almost see somebody disliking Star Wars because it's like fantasy, sci-fi, and like maybe that's not everyone's kind of thing. But then again, it gets horror isn't everyone's thing. So, all right, fair enough. I don't know. I... But yeah, so they go to see Empire Strikes Back, and I love that in the line, uh, Marge is like, do you ever think about the future? And Homer's like, you mean like apes are going to rule over us all in the future? And she's like, no. And, you know, Marge is like, well, I, you know, the, the your job at the putt-putt place or whatever, the fun center, can't be all that mentally stimulating. And he's like, well, it gives me plenty of time to think. And she's like, what do you think about? He's like, girls. Boys, I mean you, Marge. And Marge, being the dope that she is, is like, I think about you all the time, too. And so Homer comes out of the film. Spoiler alert. Heavy spoilers are in place now for Empire Strikes Back. This movie that is... 39 years old. 39 years old. And uh, Homer's like, wow, I can't believe Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. And everybody in the crowd is pissed. So funny thing about that, being Mm -hmm. a giant Star Wars nerd that I am. Mm -hmm. General consensus for the public at the time of 1980 was that Darth Vader was lying to Luke Skywalker. In fact, when George Lucas wrote the script for Return of the Jedi, he had to have Yoda tell him that it was true. Because it was a character people would believe and not the villain telling it. Interesting. So one of the greatest plot twists of movie history, people didn't believe generally when it came out. There was a big skepticism for it. Interesting. Very interesting, honestly. I didn't know that was the case. There was such a debate in Starlog magazine that George Lucas consulted a psychiatrist, a child psychiatrist, to figure Uh out how he convinced children that, yes, this is true. And they said, you have to have a character that the people believe in tell him that. That's why Yoda confirms it in The Return of the Jedi. I see. And then even Obi-Wan pops out to to talk about, like, why he danced around the issue. From a certain point of view. Certain point of view? (laughs) Uh, But uh, But yeah, I could rant about Star Wars all day long. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, yeah, we could probably could. Uh, And Homer could, too, because he tells Marge she's as pretty as Princess Leia and as smart as Yoda. And... Uh, so they're driving home and, uh, as they're driving, uh, I would like to make note that I disagree with Homer's bumper sticker, which says disco sucks. Just cause you love the Bee Gees and Donna Summer doesn't mean disco doesn't suck. Do you remember that Rolling Stones disco album? No, they made a disco album. They did. And it's probably their worst album, but the Bee Gees are so good. I. Uh, but uh, anyway, Quick for our younger listeners, who are the Bee Gees? Oh, uh, the, the the Bee Gees are a disco band uh, that didn't necessarily start as disco. Uh, they they were sort of more of like a folky pop band before that, and uh, uh, they're the the band that does "Staying Alive," "Staying Alive," and uh, did the music for like uh, Saturday Night Fever and stuff. 
uh, very, they, they got very popular when they used falsetto with all their voices. Uh, I was the Brothers Gib, hence why it's the BGs. BG Brother Gib. Yeah. yeah. Uh, honestly, it took me way too long to figure that out. You, you mean it's a name that's clever at first? It? <laughs> <laughs> it becomes less clever each time you hear it. The B Sharps. Uh, anyway. So uh, while they're driving, though, uh, speaking of music, they sing uh, You Light Up My Life to One Another by Debbie Boone, which was, was released in 1977. What I think is weird, though, is that Marge says it's their song. But that's not, that's not their song. Their so- well, well, here's the thing, though. Does Marge know that The Carpenter's Close to You is their song? Because Homer heard that in his head. Yeah, I don't know. It might just be Homer's version of it. But this is also, you know, a song released in 1977. This would have been, what, three years into their relationship, and then they had a song? Yeah. I feel like th- a, a couple song should probably be something from when they kind of first got together, right? But Homer says one of my favorite lines about this song. Oh, yeah. So, what does he say? He says, I bet the guy she was singing about was really happy. And Marge is like, she was actually singing about God. Oh, well, he's always happy. No, wait. He's always <laughs> mad. I love it. So, oh, I'm sorry. I mentioned that they were driving home. I, they were not driving home. They were driving to the fun center. Uh, and so... In the, the castle, while I presumably while Homer's even working, we don't know for sure. Uh, the I uh, you know, they're talking about, you know, the 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 fact that they're having champagne, which like that's just champagne, right? They're just mispronouncing it. Champagne isn't its own thing that I don't know about, is it? Champagne is basically an American equivalent of champagne because champagne actually has to come from the region of France where it is champagne. A, regi- a regional thing, then. Yeah. Okay, so it is champagne, just American champagne. So cheaper. It, 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 it's champagne is a cheaper version of champagne. Okay, I gotcha. <laughs> and so uh, Marge says something to the effect of, like, maybe it's the champagne talking, but you're pretty hot. Yeah, it's basically a malted version of wine. Mm. I gotcha. It's kind of closer to malt liquor. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. But Marge uh, comes on to Homer, and uh, she's like, you know, is it going to be okay? And, you know, because we could get caught. And Homer says that this castle is impregnable. And just as they start making coitus. Fucking. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thank you, Sean. Uh, the, it looks almost like the owner, the manager guy, is golfing, hits it, gets a free game in, and he's like starts celebrating and stuff. And it's, yeah. I love the imagery of him celebrating for that. <laughs> it's kind of funny to think that he's celebrating Homer having sex. Yeah, it's kind of great. <laughs> so some time passes, and Homer is hanging out with Barney. Presumably, maybe living with Barney? I'm 100% sure that they're living together at this scenario. I would think so. And also, is it is this the same apartment Barney will have? This is looks like exactly the same apartment. It and does. They are bachelors, and they are foul bachelor frog indeed, and I love it. Yeah, they're sharing uh, uh, cookie dough together. Dude, cookie dough is so good. I, I want to eat mean, cookie dough pretty, right now. I kind of do, too. I'm not going to lie. And uh, uh, they're watching Charlie's Angels, uh, which ran from 1976 to 81, a TV show about, uh, uh, um, oh, shoot, a TV show about, like, basically, like, three secret agents that work under some dude, right? Three female secret agents, Farrah Fawcett, um, 
others. I don't remember the other two. <laughs> I don't remember the other two either. I feel real bad right now. Ah, whatever. But it was actually, by modern standards, kind of sexist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was very objectifying them. Oh, yeah, well, so many of their missions were at beaches and, like, beauty contests and stupid stuff like that. Which, there's been a murder in Hawaii. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Get on your bikinis, girls. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And we see that uh, uh, eventually we'll see Marge go back to this job when Homer's out of work. But uh, Marge is currently working at a like a drive-up burger place, and she's talking. She calls up Homer, and she's like, "You know, Homer, I, I think you got to take me to the doctor." And he's like, "Why? What's wrong?" And she's like, "Well, I've been you know throwing up in the mornings." And she's like, "Do you remember the the time we joined the Castle Club? The unforgettable night we joined the Castle Club." <laughs> and Homer is the the uh, cookie dough squeezes it and it like goes and like like goes over and he's like, "Oh." And we see Doctor Hibbert with an afro, which is great because uh, almost every flashback that also has Doctor Hibbert in it, he has a different haircut dependent on the era. I like that he's way skinnier. I always, he is. He's I also his yeah. Hair, but he's much skinnier in this scene. Yes, he is. And so he, uh, he he's like Mrs. Bouvier or Miss Bouvier. He's like, I think that we you know know the reason why you've been throwing up in the mornings. He's like, congratulations. And Homer's like, no. And his dough echoes through the hospital. And this guy in traction with all these broken limbs is like, poor guy. I love the next scene. Hibbert says, perhaps this pamphlet will prove helpful. <laughs> And he hands him a pamphlet with a pregnant woman on it. It says, so you've ruined your life. <laughs> I don't know where Hibbers gets these, so you're going to die, so you've ruined your life pamphlets, but they're the best and I want them. Yeah, they're pretty amazing. So Homer is is talking with his dad. He gets a pep talk, and we see that it's the same kitchen that you know we saw before, and Abraham Simpson you know, gives his son... Uh, some you know advice about basically how he has to marry Marge, and you know how how lucky Homer is that it kind of worked out in his benefit. And so Homer's at like makeout point with Marge. Is that right? Makeout point? Yeah, because yeah. they're on the cliff or whatever. They're on the cliff, looking over Springfield. And so you know Homer's like, oh, I have a question to ask you, and if you say no, it's gonna ruin everything, and it's gonna destroy me and make me a criminal. And I love that Marge. She has so many good lines in this episode. She's like, oh, I haven't said no to you lately, have I? <laughs> and so Homer is like, goes to look for this card, and this is a kind of a, a. Not only is this a very funny moment, but it's also kind of touching. He looks for this card, and Marge is like, well, what's it say? And he's like, oh, it's all the stuff I was going to tell you. And she's like, is this the card? He's like, well, I don't know. What's it say? And she's like, "From the or she reads off what Homer wrote. From the first moment I saw you, I never wanted to be with anyone else. I don't have much to offer you except all my love. Will you marry me? And she's like, and she's like, will you marry me? And Homer goes, yeah, that's it. Give it here. <laughs> and she says yes, and they're going to get married. I love Homer's reaction when she says yes to start pounding on his horn, screaming at the town, and saying, in your face, everybody. Oh, yeah. He's super excited. He knows that the, the world is kind of, like, against him, and even her family is against their relationship. So, yeah, he has every right to, you know, be pretty excited. Uh, back in the modern time, you know, uh, the present, I should say, we have... Lisa and Bart, who are arguing on what they're going to name the baby, as if the kids had much of a say in the matter. 
And Lisa would like the baby to be named Ariel. And Bart says, no, Cool Bo D. Is that a reference to something? Uh, cool Mo D was a rapper in the early late 80s, early 90s. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. And so they're like, Ariel, Cool Mo D, Ariel. Cool. Ariel is also in reference to the Little Mermaid. That's what I figured the Ariel reference uh, would be. And so Homer says, you know, oh, it's funny. You know, Marge and I were having this exact same discussion, like, you know, like, uh, what was it, uh, 10 years ago or whatever? Yeah, it would be 10 years ago because Barton's 10. Yeah. And then immediately Barton and Lisa just bolt out of the way. And I have a list of the names and how Homer mangled them, if you want that. Go for it. Larry comes, becomes Larry Fairy. Louie becomes Screwy Louie. Bob Flob. Luke Puke. Marcus Mucus. And then when she's like, what about Bart? He's like, Cart, Dart, E-Art. I can't think of anything. Which I love that he goes through C-D-E and just one more would be Fart. Yep. Uh and so they, you know, they have this discussion about uh, what they're going to name the baby. And finally, this, like, you know, jewelry store guy asks them, you know, what they're looking for. And so Homer's like, oh, how about that one? And he's like, and how will you be paying for it, sir? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> the I don't know is probably my favorite delivery he has in this episode. It's really great. So we once again see that the, the artists for The Simpsons love putting in mountains. Yeah, for whatever reason, background artists put in mountains. Well, in this case, it might be because they're hinting that they go to Nevada for uh, uh, this. Because Homer says that they uh, they found a chapel across the state line, which is called Shotgun Pete's, and it's also a casino on top of a uh, you know a, a chapel. Did you catch how much it costs to get married there? Uh, yes. So the basic ceremony is twenty dollars, and they mentioned that wedding photos and a sign are fifty dollars. Yep. Uh, and uh, they they do a punch card, and the lady behind the counter. I love how just like rotten she is. She's like she's like the tenth uh, after the tenth one. It's uh, like you get it for free or whatever. And Homer's like, hey, this marriage is gonna last. And she starts laughing. She's like, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that before. Yeah, we don't give enough credit to Doris Grau for her delivery. She does a great job but here. I'm so glad that they wrote a character for her in the critic because she is so good at being cynical and bitchy. Yeah, she really is she plays that role so well and uh uh so cletus and aileen are getting married and uh you know so they're going through the the thing and and marge and homer start walking and i love that marge comments and she's like why are there so many stains on the <laughs> ceiling and uh and so you know homer is he's kind of lamenting he he says that you know i'm i'm sorry that this isn't the the way that you know you probably wanted your wedding uh to be and she's like well homer i'd be lying if i didn't say that i saw it being a little differently and and she says something to the effect of like but you, you are how i pictured my husband yeah you know she says you might not be ted bessel uh but you are how i picture my husband but you're and just as nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> Uh, Ted Bessel was an actor on the show That Girl and eventually was a director on the Tracy Ullman show. Dota. Yeah. I uh, I love the um the guy who's officiating their wedding by the way. <laughs> yeah, he's like he almost reminds me of the guy who sings in Tito Puente's band. Yeah. He looks just like him. I don't I would wouldn't be surprised if it's the same character model. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, and so they're married in less than five minutes. They get $10 in chips for free. What a bargain. What a good deal. $20 to get married and 10 of those dollars are in chips for yourself? We are gathered here in the sight of God in this casino to join Marge and Homer and holy matrimony. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the clicks of the finger snaps. It's great. He's so good. So they get married. Homer, same question. Names reversed. <laughs> <laughs> so good so so we have uh uh you know marge and homer are currently staying at the bouviers which is why i assumed that homer was living with barney because he wouldn't have taken her back there where barney is i'm assuming that he lived with barney and came here that's what i would think and so uh what's also interesting is that in 1974 we know that there was Mr. Bouvier. He was alive. But we don't see Mr. Bouvier in 1980. He's gone. He very likely has died in the previous six years. So it makes you wonder, when did Marge's dad die? Or run away. <laughs> Maybe run away. That's possible. I see it more as dying, probably. You know, they depict the Bouviers as being like heavy smokers and, and you know, stuff like that. So like maybe like... Something of that nature. Or did, do you think that they just sort of like forgot about him and just didn't want to add him in? They had nothing for him for like the episode? Well, I mean, we learned that he's a flight attendant. So he could be away on work because that is a job that takes you away from your house for a that's long period true. of time. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. He, he could have just been doing work. But I mean, we do know that by the time uh, Simpsons is in, you know, 1991, 1989 even technically, uh, he's gone. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, gone he's passed away uh you would think anyway he never shows up to any functions and uh uh mrs bouvier is uh uh a widow or a widow yeah with uh yeah she's single and red on mingle <laughs> is that right uh but uh, uh she's staying at like a retirement home not grandpa's retirement home but a different retirement home so yeah i don't know i i'm i'm almost I would almost bet the money on him dying in the interim between 1974 and 1980, but uh, I don't know. Well, we'll see. Maybe that maybe more episodes in the future will uh, give us a little bit of a better timeline I on that. So. Uh, so while Homer and Marge are whispering amongst each other on the couch, like in the living room, uh, we have one of the sisters upstairs who's like, "Keep it, lovebirds, keep it down," and. Uh, uh, the next day, Homer is showing off like the uh, the baby walkie-talkie that he got, and he's like, "Baby to Marge, baby to Marge, wah wah, over." And uh, he says he's gonna apply at the nuclear plant. Yeah, Marge doesn't know how he's affording all this stuff on his salary. Oh yeah, and and Homer kind of just blows it off. He doesn't really say much, uh, which we're gonna find out that yeah, and maybe he can't afford it. I uh, and I. Uh, uh, I love, too, that uh, he's like, maybe I'll apply at the power plant. And Marge is like, well, I hear that could, uh, could make you sterile. And Homer's like, now you tell me. I love that line. And so Homer and two guys, one of which we know is named Lou Collier. Uh, you know, Smithers comes in to say that, you know, there's there's going to be, you know, two of the three people are going to be hired. And he sees Lou, and he immediately recognizes him as an Alpha Tau. Uh, now, Alpha Tau Omega is a fraternity that exists, but not Alpha Tau to the best of my knowledge. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, he he calls Smithers a kegmeister. The other guy turns out he's from the Alabama chapter, and they start singing the song. And Homer's trying his best to fit in, and like every time they sing a lyric, he's like, "Tau bah wow." He's just not doing good. Can you imagine Smithers as a kegmeister? Yes, only because he's doing very uh, doing a very very good job of hiding who he is. Okay, okay, I can I can get the and he's kind of got alcoholic tendencies because when he goes off and you know disobeys Burns and who shot Mister Burns, he becomes an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, he he de, uh, devolves into drinking himself into a stupor. So yeah, I, I think that if I had to wager a guess, Smithers back in college was very desperate to fit in. You know, we know that uh, Smithers is homosexual, and Smithers would have been in college in what the sixties. I want to say 60s, 70s, early Oh, maybe 70s. 70, yeah, maybe early 70s, we'll say. That could that could be a little bit more likely. But yeah, he would have been in college in the late 60s, early 70s, so, you know, yeah, he uh, he was uh, uh, probably in an era that wasn't very open to his type of people, so to speak. Well, yeah, it would have been classified as a mental illness at the time. <sighs> the, world was a, the world is a crappy place, but it was much more crappy back then. Uh, and so, meanwhile, Marge is doing a test with uh, Hibbert, and Hibbert's like, I know better, I'd swear he's trying to moon us, as we see Bart show his butt to the uh, ultrasound. We cut back to the interview and get one of my favorite moments from Homer and Smithers, <laughs> ever. Smithers asks, what would you say is your worst quality? One of the guys says he's a workaholic. Mm-hmm. The other one says he pushes himself too hard. Uh-huh. And Homer says, takes me a long time to learn anything. I'm kind of a goof off. Smithers is like, that'll do. Stuff starts to pe- disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line so much. And I love the, the next question. Smithers is like, all right, here's the next question. He's like, there's a problem. Uh, uh, like, there's a problem with the reactor. What do you do? And Homer's like, there's a problem with the reactor. We're all gonna die! And he screams and runs out of the interview. And we cut back to the Bouviers. Homer comes in despondent. Marge asks how it went, and Homer says, "Nah, they wanted someone good. Story of my life." And so uh, Homer promises the baby. Uh, you know, while it's still in the womb, that you know, when the when he's born, uh, he's gonna see a man with a good job. <laughs> I love this line. So and much. is it Patty or Selma? <laughs> I believe it's Patty. And Patty's like, yeah, the doctor. <laughs> Which is <laughs> point goes to you for that one, Miss Bo- Miss Bouvier, because that is the zing of the day. <laughs> they are just <laughs> on point in this episode. I feel like. Everything that that is said between the Bouviers is just yeah. on freaking point. In this it's episode. so rotten, but it, it really is. I uh, and so nine to five by Dolly Parton starts playing. Hell yeah, it does. I love Dolly Parton. I I really I really enjoy this song. Dolly Parton's a, a real treat. She's a, a, a country music uh, star. Nine to five and Jolene are two of my favorite songs. Oh, they're great. Uh, so Homer's working at Old Springfield Town, and I love the kid who's like, what a crappy candle. And the, the, the father is like, you ruined our vacation. So he gets put in the stockade, the kid kicks him in the butt. Homer tries to sell Slashco knives, uh, and he 
accidentally cuts an old woman. Uh, he goes to pitiless pup attack dog school. Uh, and I love the guy who's like, you said you like dogs. And uh, he goes to a, uh, a meeting for a shady pyramid scheme. No, 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 no. It's not a pyramid scheme. It's they follow their model is the trapezoid. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the sirens start playing in, or going in the back. And the guy's like, the cops! And he jumps out the window. Okay, I got a question for you about uh-huh. that. Is there ever a time in any medium where a guy jumping out a window is not freaking hilarious? I, I can't think of a time when it's not funny. <laughs> because like everything I can think of, like uh, video game Undertale, one of the characters jumps out a window. It's hilarious. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Uh, Scott jumps out the window and then has to come back through that same window to get his keys. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, and even future episodes of The Simpsons, you know? It's always great. Guy, People jumping out of windows is hilarious. In, in Futurama, when they're superheroes, they all have to go and Leela's apartment's <laughs> on fire. And Fry can't take life anymore. He jumps out a window. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. It's always pretty great, isn't it? Uh, if you want a comedic time joke, just have somebody jump out the window is the lesson I've learned. That is a good lesson to learn. So things don't go well for Homer and he gets back home and the repo depot arrives. Uh, actually, I, uh, first they go through the letters. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They're going through the letters and like Marge is like, we break thumbs. And then they arrive, right? Yep. Yeah. So they arrive. They and the guy's like, "I'm gonna need the madam's ring." And Marge starts crying. And he goes, "Ah, it's the toughest part of my job." As he smiles real big, and like I, like on one hand, it's like, "Man, this sucks," but on another, it's like, "Homer, you didn't, you couldn't, you didn't pay for it. You don't get to keep it." That's how repos work. Repossession is sad. It's it's always sad. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, sad. Uh, and so Homer takes uh, a notepad, which says from the pen of Patty, crosses out Patty and puts in Homer. And he says that he can give Marge the finest things, but then they'll be repossessed and Homer will be hunted down like a dog. And so Homer... Also, it's oh. become clear that your family doesn't want me here. Oh, yeah, that, uh, what is it, like Patty or Selma are like, keep down that, like, pen scratching. Yep. And so Homer tells Marge that she won't see him until he becomes a man, and but he'll send every penny that he earns, you know, for the baby to her. He puts a uh, for sale sign on his car, which is the car I'm pretty sure from uh, 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 the way we was. Yep, it's the same car from the way we was. Uh-huh, and then uh, puts this for sale sign on it, and then goes or uh, takes the disco suck sticker, puts it on his briefcase, and walks off. So as sad as the scene is, I kind of respect Homer for it. I kind of respect that he's trying to better his life and he's still sending money to the kid. Oh, sure. It's, absolutely. It's depressing that he walked out on Marge, essentially. but It is. But, I mean, at the same time, it's like, you know, Homer doesn't feel like he's good enough. And so he sort of needs to do this. In his head, he needs to do this to prove that he can be this responsible adult. When really he could still be around her. But then again... Another thing to consider is that Homer is is very dependent upon Marge. Would he have done such a good job getting this job at the power plant that we'll see if he was with Marge? He probably wouldn't have. Yeah. You know. So I love that we cut back to 
the kids listening to the story. And Lisa's like crying. Lisa's crying. She's like, this is so sad. And he goes, oh, come on, honey. You know how it turns out. After all, you wouldn't be here today if I hadn't become the responsible head of the household. Hey, Homer, can I have uh, this, uh, a jar of frosting for lunch? Oh, okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, while, while uh, uh, Marge is like crying about this letter, uh, Patty and Summer are like, man, I thought he would have at least two-timed you for a while before he ran <laughs> off on you. <laughs> it's just like, man, that is so cold. They're so cold in this episode, and I love them. But soon enough, Patty and Selma are at Gulp and Blow, uh, which is a, uh, uh, a a chain restaurant that we see that competes with Krusty uh, uh, Burger. Yeah. Uh, because uh, uh, I think this is the same place that Mel eventually works. Uh, when he get, tries to get away from Krusty after the show is canceled? I believe so. Uh, I don't know if it's where Grandpa works, though. I feel like he might work at Krusty Burger, but it could be Gulp and Blow. We need to look into it. Yeah, we'll have to check that later. But, uh, yeah, Patty and Selma, while they're working there, see Homer's working at Gulp and Blow. Uh, they find out because there's hair in their taco, and he's shedding because Homer has hair in the flashback, but he's losing it quickly. Uh, and... Patty and Selma decide not to say anything. They get back home. Marge is knitting. She, you know, hears somebody come in. And she's like, Homer? And then she sees it's her sisters and she's sad. And I think it's what I. Uh, Patty's about to say something and Selma's like, don't be stupid. Yeah. Patty says, Marge, listen, we just saw. And she gets hit in the side and uh, Selma says, don't be stupid. And so, yeah, they, they're not going to say anything. And uh, I. So Homer's at like you know outside the plant, like looking through the chain link fence. Before we get that, oh, yeah? we get a quick shot of Homer. Marge opens a letter from Homer, and it says, "Dear Marge, XXX Homer," and it's filled with money. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's keeping good on his promise that he's gonna send her every penny he earns. That's true. He's at least sending money, and uh, so Homer outside the plant is lamenting that like these big shots with their metal you know lunch boxes and stuff. And a donut truck comes in, and the Rolling Donut Company comes up, and the guy's like, wow, they get free donuts? And the guy in the truck is like, that's right, all the colors of the rainbow. And it's like one of the weirdest lines ever as the guy just slowly (laughs) drives into the plant with his donut truck. I love that line. I love that scene so much. The plant looks happy. Uh It looks dark and despondent by Homer. Uh Uh-huh. It's great. And so Marge is at the front door and is it patty or selma i believe patty is the one who has the crisis of conscience and so patty sees her at the door and she's a honey like what are you doing like you know you should be resting and marge is like well i thought i heard a noise i thought it might be homer and patty's like fine i have two and a half words for you gulp and blow And so Homer's just bored out of his mind, sitting in this, like, you know, restaurant or whatever, fast food place, I should say. And person comes up, and he's like, yeah, what do you want? And Marge is like, my husband by my side. And he's like, you want fries with that? And she's like, Homer? He's like, Marge? (laughs) And uh, Homer comes outside and laments that, uh, you know, hugs her and stuff, all this, you know, nice stuff. Holy cow, you're as big as a house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, says that she's as big as a house. And then he laments that they won't even tell him what's in the secret sauce, which we all know is just mayonnaise left out in the sun. Uh, And so he 
you know, whines that he can't even afford her a wedding ring. Marge doesn't care what kind of ring it is so long as she, you know he's in her life. And he takes one of the onion rings and puts it on her finger. It's very adorable. And he says my favorite thing that he could possibly say at this moment. Did you catch what he said? Marge pour vous. Marge for you in French. Which is the same thing he said in the way we was when he put the corsage on her after Artie Zeff tried to rape her. Indeed. Take that, Artie Zeff. Call back to him faking to learn French to win her love. That's freaking adorable. <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> I love that about this episode. And so I uh, I love too that I uh, I uh, Marge Marge says something to him, uh, like, you know, Homer, do you know why I married you? And he's like, because I knocked you up. And she's like, no, it's because I love you. And I just want you in, you know, by my side or whatever. And Homer gets determined. And he takes his, like, his uh, 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 stupid fast food uniform, shreds it off like the Incredible Hulk. And underneath is an undershirt that says, I shot JR. Do you know what that's in reference to, Sean? That's a reference to Dallas, right? It is. Yes, it is a, an ad campaign from 1980 for Dallas, uh, which we probably could have figured out when this exact moment was and really tried to triangulate that there. Uh, but uh, yeah, in 1980, uh, a character, a villain named JR in Dallas got shot and it like it became this worldwide phenomenon and there were even people that took bets on like who shot, you know, which kind of gets would, repeated it in. It would be hilarious if the Simpsons ever parodied that. Right? <laughs> yeah, but it would be hilarious. <laughs> I wish that would happen. Right? If only somebody could get shot in the Simpsons and we could parody this. If only. Oh, what dreams may come in like a million seasons from now. Uh, so Homer gets dressed goes to the nuclear power plant, marches past the security. And here's something that doesn't make sense. Mr. Burns is playing Miss Pac-Man, which came out in February of 1982. Yeah. So that's not right. Take that, Simpsons creators. You thought you'd just have a flashback episode and nobody would notice. Fuck you. I love how happy you get for rooting them every time they do that. Because I wonder I have no life. Uh, so yeah, he should have been playing Pac-Man, not Miss Pac-Man. Right, exactly. So Homer just like marches in and he's like, listen here, birds. He's like, I'm going to take abuse. I'm not going to stick up for myself. You can treat me like dirt. I'll kiss your butt and tell you it, calls like, or, or tell you it tastes like ice cream. And if you don't like it, I can change. And Smithers, who was in the process of calling security... Burns tells him, stand down. And Smithers is like, sir, he failed the test. And on the way out, he got stuck in a closet. (laughs) And Burns says that he hasn't been so impressed since he laid eyes on a young bootlick named Waylon Smithers. And so he tells Homer he's got the job. Homer celebrates, freaks out, runs off. And Burns is like, Smithers, who was that man? He goes, Homer Simpson, sir. He goes, Simpson, eh? I'll remember that name. Which, no, he won't. (laughs) He never, ever will. And so, I really like this scene. And I can't tell if I like it because it's funny or somewhat heartwarming. It's a little of both, because I like this scene a lot, too. But it's kind of mean, almost. So, Homer knocks on the door to the Bouvier's place, and Mrs. Bouvier is like, you know, you're too late. She's already gone to the hospital. And she's like, I'll 
go ahead and drive us there. And she's like, I'll get my keys or whatever. And so Homer's like, thanks, Mom. And she's like, don't ever call me that. <laughs> and there's a part of me that thinks like, oh, she's willing to drive him. She She's kind of accepting him. But then she tells him not to call him her mom and it makes me wonder is the hatred that mrs bouvier has for homer the reason why they don't see mrs bouvier probably because like you know they see grandpa a lot grandpa watches the kids a bunch he just visits he stays with them every so often grandpa simpson has a uh, is a very big part of the simpsons lives mrs bouvier pops out for holidays marge doesn't even visit her or seem to call her the reason mrs bouvier really doesn't show up in the show very often is because that voice is incredibly taxing to do. Oh, I've heard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, what's her name? Who does Marge's voice and Patty and Selma? Oh, God, I always forget her name. Yeah, I, Nancy Cartwright is, is Bart. Yardley Smith is Lisa. Oh, God, what is her name? She doesn't do a lot of interviews because she doesn't like doing the voice in like front of other people. I... Uh, Oh my God, this is like, we need to know this, Sean. This is bad. It's uh, Julie Kavner, right? I think you're right. I uh, I do believe. Yep. Julie Kavner, yep, Boom. you are correct. Man, that's 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 bad, Sean. We need to know that shit. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, uh, so Homer gets in, and uh, Marge is super excited that he's got the job, and he's, you know, like, starting tomorrow, I'm a nuclear technician. And Hibbert is like, good God. <laughs> and... Mar- uh, and he's like, tomorrow we're going to go out and buy all these things that, you know, I like got taken away from us. And Marge is like, what about your job? And he's like, ah, someone will cover for me. And I, I love that he stands up to Patty and Selma finally when he's like, you know, when they're like basically trying to like get him t- to get away. He's like, listen, I'm paying for this hospital stay. If you don't like it, you, you know, you better sh- or you better show me respect because if you don't like it, you can get out. And they back off. They 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 stand down, and uh, they you know they've essentially been defeated. Homer now has a job that can support a family, and, uh, and so Homer in his it, like as confidence is rising, he's like, "Stand back! I'm going to deliver this baby." And Doctor Hibbert's like, "Well, maybe you should leave it to me." And he's like, "Oh, college boy, eh?" And Marge is like, "Homer, just let the man deliver the baby." And Bart is born, and I. Uh, Within the first 10 minutes of his life, he tries to light Homer's tie on fire, which really lets you know he's the evil twin. Yeah, whatever happened to uh, Hugo? Wait, what? What? Huh? Huh? (laughs) So Bart is born, and he's clearly, well, he's got the evil gene. Hitler had it. Walt Disney had it. Freddie Quimby has it. And Bart has it. (laughs) And so... Homer then has a very heartfelt moment with his kids. Uh, he says that they, you know, have been uh, Marge and him have been blessed by their births, and that. Uh, so I'm going to read this. One oh this, yeah, this, yeah. This is my favorite quote of the entire episode, and I'm just going to oh. end it on this one. Oh well, I tell you what, then we'll just save that for the end of the episode. So he has a heartwarming moment with his kids, and then proceeds to drop them on the ground as Marge comes in and says that she's not pregnant, and both Marge and Homer high five <laughs> the fact that they do not have another kid coming. Which makes you wonder, why didn't they tie her tubes? Yeah. You think if they didn't want a kid, they would... When my mom had my younger sister, at that point she had a boy and a girl, she was done. And she, while they were down there, she was just like, hey, yeah, get on that. I don't know why 
I mean, maybe it's something that you just so, weren't comfortable with or something. So but. Tying, tying tubes is always a much riskier procedure than getting a visectomy. Maybe Marge thought he would get a visectomy or that the nuclear plant would actually make him <laughs> sterile at some point, which it does. I mean, it does eventually, yeah. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of. Because they're a very poor family, and I don't think they have very good insurance from that power plant. No, probably not. That... I mean, they go to the doctor all the time, so maybe their insurance isn't so bad. I mean, is is tying? I feel like tying tubes isn't that risky of a procedure. Isn't it untying the tubes where it becomes a problem? No, it's just that it's a far more complicated and more risky procedure than it is to get a visectomy. Visectomy is oh. in and out real quick. Tying tubes is actually like an actual surgery. Um, op surgery. I gotcha. Okay. I uh, yeah. So Sean, let's uh, take a look at the lasting impact of the episode because I mean, off so the bat, we're agreed on the lasting impact. We know what it is. It's the past. It's, it's the past. more of the past. It's, it's always good to go to the past. Sean and I, uh, right before this episode uh, was was recording, we figured that there's about five flashback episodes. And there's other flashback scenes, of course. Sure, sure. But yeah, there's about five episodes that are devoted to uh, looking at the past. So we have... At least in the seasons that actually matter. Yes, the the, the only seasons. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So we have 1974, uh, which is, uh, uh, you know, when their relationship first started. 1980, when we see the uh, uh, birth of Bart and them getting married. We have what? Uh, 1982, because Lisa's two years younger. Yeah, so 1982, which, yeah, 1982, you're right, because uh, 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 yeah, Lisa's first word is then, and her being born, uh, and then, and Maggie makes three is what, uh, 19, would have been what, like 88 or 88, something like that? 89, somewhere yeah, in there. somewhere around that uh, time. Uh and then there's the Barbershop Quartet episode, which is all a flashback as well, though it's not really as emotionally touching because it's just them having a Barbershop Quartet, but uh, but it's another flashback episode. And they're always solid fucking gold. There's they really not are. a bad flashback episode. Yeah, not uh, all those episodes are very good. So so yeah, it's that is the the kind of the the lasting impact of uh uh of this episode. Uh so uh, as far as that goes, though, uh, Sean, uh, what uh, what was your quote of the episode? So it's the very end of the episode, like we mm-hmm. were just getting at. And Homer says, Bart, Lisa, come here for a minute. You know, son, the day you were born, I received the greatest gift a man could have. As the years went by, your mother and I were blessed twice more. Not a day goes by we don't thank God for all three of you. And Marge bursts in the door and says, Homer, I'm not pregnant. He throws the kids off himself, says, yeah, woo, they high five. And yeah, that is a great quote. I think my favorite is uh, another kind of somewhat touching uh, moment. It's the pep talk that Abe Simpson gives to Homer. So while he's sitting at the kitchen table with uh, Abraham Simpson, his father, uh, you know, Abraham is like, son, you've got to marry that girl. And Homer's like, because it's the honorable thing to do. And Abe Simpson's like, no, because you'll never do any better. (laughs) You lucky bum. The fish jumped right in the boat. All you got to do is whack her with the oar. (laughs) 